And we welcome you inside the Hoop Ball Sacramento Kings podcast. Sam Kamenti here with you, alongside, as always, the incomparable, the all-knowing Jill Adge. And Jill, I want to start out by saying that I'm very, very happy that we did not record this podcast. We're recording this on Monday in the evening, but I'm glad, so glad, we did not record this immediately after the Kings played and lost yesterday to the Warriors because I was not very happy. I don't know what your initial yeah. reactions were. Um, I didn't see all of the game. Oh, um, right. Joe was so road can, tripping, everybody. She's in I Vegas. I can only um, see, like, I only know from just the bits and pieces that I saw. And the bits and pieces I saw were similar to what we saw um, in the first two games where it was, again, you have a shot, but you you threw it away by giving the ball away for free. Like, yeah. on especially on transition plays after you make good defensive stops. Like, you this team, at least through the three games so far, is notorious for doing something really good and then shooting themselves in the foot, like, shortly after. Um, and the last two teams have taken advantage of they're the good turnovers. They, they've turned them into to points. And these are the ones where you, based on how they're playing the fourth quarter right now, they basically have to play perfect through three quarters um, to give themselves a chance. They so far they've played three really good teams, and it's not going to get any easier. The West is the West, let alone they're playing, you know, some of the best in the West right now. Uh, but I do think that they could take this opportunity to to show some grit and character and and build on it because they're not going to be perfect, right? Three games in, no team watching all these games like they're all rusty, they're all still getting conditioned. Yep. And whether we like it or not, this team is getting conditioned to playing both sides of the court you know last year they only played one side right point. now they're having to learn to condition their body to be able to handle playing both ways and that was one of the things that you know I was kind of on um Davion you know when we were talking last week as I felt like he still had to get his body conditioned to be able you know what I mean to let alone playing an NBA game but to being able to play both sides and Credit to him. Yesterday, he showed right that he could do it from both sides. So, so you listen to our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> right. Listen to me slander him, <laughs> and he started put um, up twenty points, twenty two yeah, points. To, yeah, to me, out of anything, this team just needs to figure out how to to realize how many times you have to see yourself making the same bad pass and realize maybe I shouldn't do it. Like. Right. You can't do it against these teams. That's. I mean, you might be able to get away with it. You know, from from some of the others, but so far it's, I'd rather see them um, not do it. And I don't know if it's because they're still kind of out of sorts on the offensive side, even though um, like, I think it was Tim. He had that list of like the first half and the second half numbers. Kings are top 10 in everything in the first half of the game. And then they're, I think 16 and 23 or something like that. Um, Yeah. Like overall, but then, in the second half, they're, you know, far back for offense and then 30th again for defense. So it's like the, that tells the Jekyll story right there. High, Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. So whether it's coaching not making adjustments, players not making adjustments to good teams making adjustments at the half, right? Like what you would expect. Um, but I will also say, like with the Jazz game, um, and this might have happened yesterday too, that they had opportunities to increase their lead on the jazz, like really start, you know, running and giving it to them. 
And that's when they made the turnovers, right? Which prevented it and allowed the Jazz to stay in the game to do what the Jazz, to do what a good team does, right? They just need to keep it close enough to where they know how to close out games. And um, at this point, hopefully this team, <laughs> this team can figure it out because I think that's one of the frustrating things, right? We we know they have it in them. Like they're, they've sh- three games, three straight halves. They showed us how they could play really well. <laughs> and then two halves or three halves where they just showed us. Yeah. I mean, you, they can't play really well. So it's, you put it best somewhere. <laughs> they are Jekyll and Hyde right now. They're very strong in the first half. And then, very inconsistent and poor. I mean, I would say third quarter, they're kind of inconsistent. You could see the wheels start to fall off. And then the fourth, the wheels are gone. They really and, fall off, yeah. and they're really just a train wreck. Really. It's it's kind of tough to watch. Um, and it's a lot of stagnant offense, not a lot of ball movement, really, really poor shot selection or passes. Darren Fox had two plays, Jill, that I'm not sure if you watched because I think you were driving, but two plays where he dove into the lane and tried to make a pass where I don't even think he saw where he was or what he was doing. He threw, like one, yeah. he threw the ball straight up in the air and it was mind boggling because he doesn't do stuff like that. And it he's was forcing it. He's yeah. really forcing it because his shots aren't going down. So he's like, okay, different philosophy. I'm going to attack, try and get to the line or try and draw the defense in find teammates, which is a great strategy. That's how you should play when you're fast. You got to make a pass though to somebody. You can't just go in, go blind, throw it up in the air. Uh, I don't I didn't yeah. think I need to tell De'Aaron Fox that, but I am because uh, that was pretty ugly what I saw from Fox yesterday. And we'll get to more on him later. But yeah, you said it in the beginning. It's three games. The Phoenix Suns, who they play next on Wednesday, are one and two. They won the or they were second in the West last year. The Brooklyn Nets, everyone's favorite to win the East, including our favorite to win the East. They're one and two. The Lakers are one and two. So it's early and it's 82 games, yeah. not 72. You have a little bit more of a buffer to begin. But it is uh, more painful, I think, this way to lose when you're the Kings these past two games and you're Kings fans because you were there. You were right. in It's the not game. just them getting, going out and getting they're blown, not getting blown out. Right? out. Yeah. You're in these games and you're playing well against good teams. And then you, more than anything, destroy yourselves. It, right. And I would say it's not like they're not making turnovers, right? And you're just seeing really hard competitive games for four quarters and the better team just winning, right? Like when you have the stupid excuses, right. Of like, I just want to see if they're going to get beat, I want to see them play a good four quarters and just get beat by a better team. Um, Not to where I see them shooting themselves in the foot and then going, well, would they have won? I don't like, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's what super. Yeah. It's more painful. Frustrating. Yeah. It's it's a it's a different style of Kings basketball than we're used to. Which I I mean that like in a positive way. It's it's Mm -hmm. more entertaining. Uh, It's also more painful at the end. Makes it hard for me to have to go to bed afterwards. (laughs) But we will highlight the people that were outstanding yesterday. Harrison Barnes continues to be terrific. He had twenty four points, seven rebounds. Um, He's averaging just off the top of my head. I don't know this for sure, but it feels like he's averaging about twenty five a game, which is incredible from Harrison. Davion, like I joked, uh, must have listened to our podcast on Friday where I kind of ripped on him for not attacking more or, or getting more shots to go because we need that from him and he can do it. Well, he did it, Jill. 22 points yesterday for Davion. Obviously, that's a career high. But then on Golden State side, Steph Curry, who I felt like they did a good job containing more, more often than not on the defensive end, especially with Mitchell running around with him. Uh, 
he had 27 points still. Jordan Poole had 22 points because Poole's a very good player, starting to really burst on the scene. And then Andrew Wiggins had 17, including a couple back-breaking threes late in the fourth quarter. So not enough contribution from the rest of the Kings roster outside of Barnes and Davion, whereas the Warriors had a lot of contribution from all the guys that played, even Gary Payton Jr. Gary Payton II, actually, as he goes by, put up a lot of uh, high-effort plays for the Warriors. I didn't even know he was in the league or that Gary Payton had a son with the same name as him. So I learned something yesterday. But I don't know how much of the game you watched. It was it was just the same tale as the Jazz, um, except that this one got a little bit more away from it at the end. They ended up losing 119-107, lost by 12 in this case. Let me ask you, are you um, how are you feeling about De'Aaron Fox? I'm fine. Okay. Um, I'm fine. I, I still his, – his, his body type has changed. He's, he's now, you know, we're, he's getting paid the big money. He's having to prove that he can play both ends of the court. Um, but his start last year is very similar to the start this year. And the guy ended up having the best true. season of his career. So again, we're, we're three games in, I know it's frustrating. And with this team, it's frustrating because he is, you know, getting paid the big money now. Um, and, and when our shooters are having bad nights, like we've seen our three-point shooting fall apart, right? Um, you can't afford to have him to have any kind of off night. Like, th- this team can never really afford, unfortunately, for him to have. Um, yeah, they, they go through Fox, right? Like it, it's just, you know, and that's that's the, the burden of, of the guy getting paid. Uh, what he's getting paid and being the face of the team. So um, yeah, I'm not worried. There's plenty of season left. Uh, he he has shown me that he ends up figuring it out. So I, right now, I have no reason to believe that he's not going to um, figure right. out. Like obviously, yeah, there's things he needs to work on, and I think he's kind of forcing things a little bit. Uh, but in the same sense, I also think he's getting hacked every time out there and, and nothing's being called. And, yeah, I was about to say um, that. You know, there's probably some ailments and he's playing through them. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's coming out of the game, um, unlike what others have done. You know what I mean? Like, he's playing through. He's playing through, you know, pain. So, um, And they need to help. This yeah. is a different way of looking at it. You're spot on. Uh, and he's not getting and, the calls. And I will say this. Sorry. like to, no. But I do think part of his problem is when Holmes goes out, like you just see a lot of the guards struggle. And when he's sitting because of foul trouble, it's the team hurt. Like that's how important Holmes is. And so when he's not in the middle and, and on the court and Fox is trying to drive in, like it's him. It looks like it's him going against five guys. Like it's, it's not, it's not happening. So I do think you're seeing some of his struggles, um, being attributed to who's on the court with him. Yeah, you can you make I mean that's you can make a good argument off what you just said for that's a reason right there why Marvin Bagley should play a little bit more when Holmes is not able to play because if we're choosing between Bagley or Tristan Thompson or Alex Lennis to that big man that can come off the bench and run that pick and roll and attack the basket and finish at close range off of Fox playing off of him. Yeah, I I would choose Marvin Bagley every time over Tristan Thompson and Alex Lent to do that type of skill set of Rashawn Holmes. I understand Thompson's ahead of Bagley right now. We know that. They really like his veteran leadership. He didn't look good yesterday, but, and, and he hasn't you know looked what? great. Yeah. 
Right. I and, mean, and this could be the same situation that we saw with Dwayne Like, yeah. right. Like we're, again, we're three games in, so we very well could see changes. Like it's, I, hope. Um, I just yeah. don't think we're necessarily going to see changes after three games against the you. teams that we came in. Right. Um, if this team legitimately has a plan, it's, I don't think you, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, you hope, you would all, hope they have a plan. Heard, you know, why what's going on is going on, whether anyone agrees with it or not. Like that's, unfortunately, that's the way it is. Um, we don't get to make those decisions, but, uh, yeah, if it keeps continuing, I don't know how you can go with he's, the status quo hundred percent. He's 22. He's uber talented. He's sitting right there. He's healthy, especially. Right now, you know, he's not out on the, on the court, so you know he's ready to go. He's, I hope nothing's hurting him. Um, what I was going to say about Fox, though, kind of another spin of that. When he's forcing it, that sucks, and he's struggling. That sucks because he's your guy. But other guys need to help him. This is De'Aaron Fox's team, sure. but yeah. you can't just go off of De'Aaron Fox the whole way, right? That's unrealistic for any player. Maybe LeBron, I guess. Uh, but shit, Tyrese needs to start – keep being more aggressive end of the start... day it's next man up right yeah, yeah right or it's just help the guy there's not it's not like fox is the entire team there's talented players on this team they need to start doing stuff terrence davis needs to figure out what the hell he's doing whatever it is that he's doing he needs to be a scorer off the bench that makes a lot of threes and highlight real alley dunks and dives to the basket like you know he's a freak athlete we're seeing a completely discombobulated really not fun terrence davis right now and then Buddy Heald, I tweeted this last night watching the game because he was just making me rip my hair out, Jill. He he had that Buddy Heald game where he did nothing because he wasn't knocking down his shots. And you know he doesn't play defense. He, I mean, he, he had to it go against Steph Curry. Happen, right? No, it like, is. Two good and one bad. Like I know. And, and we know going in, like, this, like the, as long as he's here, like, this is what we're getting. I don't ever expect that's that. That's Jacqueline Hyde is Buddy I mean, Heald. You know, Um yeah, and so when other people are off, it makes it that much. Mm-hmm. It highlights Fox or, even yes. more. Yes. And um, but Buddy did. I mean, really, there were they kept they had Davion on Steph, and then they would smartly bring out a screener, a big man to screen. So then Heald would switch over to him. It seemed like every time they picked the guy who Heald was guarding to come out and screen. So then Heald would switch, and now you have Heald on Steph, which is a battle Steph's going to win every fucking time, hundred <laughs> percent sure. of the time. And Buddy didn't even look like he ever stood really a chance. And that's being maybe a little too mean of Buddy. But, yeah, he doesn't stand a chance against Steph Curry. uh, No one's ever going to. No one really does. But Buddy for sure. And so that's that's what's frustrating about Buddy. And you make a good point. Like, it's two good games and one bad game. But if Buddy's not scoring, this is why, again, you keep him on the bench. If Buddy doesn't score, what does Buddy do for you? I don't know. I don't know what he does. He gives you energy. He doesn't quit. the first two games he gave you more. He gave you Right, no, but he he was scoring. So – Yes. He was that. I mean, he he played a little bit better and more confident. Yeah, see, it seemed. I thought the first two games he he had like six or seven rebounds, multiple assists. Like, yeah, he but he was scoring. He... My point is, when Buddy's not scoring, everything else right, kind of gets lost. I'm... Oh, you're saying he doesn't do anything if he's not scoring? Like, yeah, it's like he kind of just shuts down. Has... Yeah, that was my point. Um, okay. when he, so when far, okay, we'll yeah, so him far. a couple more to see. No, absolutely. But I get from one game. Okay, I get it. From Stuck from it. one game, it just seems like when he doesn't have that shot, he doesn't remember to do the other things. He doesn't remember to go sure. get those rebounds like sure. he can because he's not confident what he's doing, and he's so yeah. trying to get it in the and, bucket. Yeah, and at least from clips I saw, it looked like he missed a couple different reads on offense too where he had like wide open lanes and was, you know, chucking the, the long threes and different things. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah um but again that, st that stuff they need to handle right watching film and and if and if he's not listening to you then you need to address it right like that's um yeah i mean that's yeah the bench has got to step up. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask you a question about that here in a minute. But really, we can sum up these last two Kings games very simply. We can we can analyze it from every angle if we wanted to. The breakdown is very easy. You start out strong and start out fast. You look great going into half. You come out of half. I don't know if it's because you're not making adjustments or it's because you're tired from putting a little bit more effort on the defensive end, and it dips, and then it dips even farther to or like this you don't, avalanche or players or you don't know how to adjust to another team's adjustment. Right. It, or yeah. that. And then you fall off in the second half and you lose the game. And in tight in that, of course, are really poor passes and decisions that you make. And then really poor possessions and or shot selections that don't need to be there. You don't need to shoot the right. ball two seconds into the shot clock from 30 feet, buddy heels or Harrison Barnes, just, you know, off the screen, pulling up and trying to three. I don't know if that necessarily happened yesterday, but just giving examples. Then I don't know how you feel about this, but one frustrating thing about Walton's offense, and I've touched on this, and most offenses do this now in the modern NBA, but they're just so heavily reliant on the three, and it's great when it works, but when it doesn't, like it didn't yesterday and it didn't work against the Jazz, and you just keep doing it to try and get yourself out of it, it's it's not basketball that I enjoy watching, truthfully. Yeah, do something they're, else. They're Find different ways to score. In the NBA right now, I think in three-point percentage, not great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's going to have to um, that's gonna have to adjust, yeah. You just got to be able to adapt, you know. I understand you want to keep shooting threes. That's where there's more points there, you, you know. And I'm sure the analytics point to we want to shoot threes and we want to run. Obviously, that's what every team's trying to do. But if everyone's not knocking them down, okay, you have to get a little bit more creative. You have to start yeah. running some sets. Getting to the free throw line, which the Kings, we could go on a whole tangent about how they are the one of the teams that just does not get those calls. Well, and the issue with this team, as we've seen in previous years, they have a really hard time with offense. And whether that's – and I have almost have a hard time believing that's Alvin Gentry, right? Like the offensive mind that he is, that are our players just not running stuff correctly? Um, or, you know what I mean? Like, are they not finishing out, sure. you know, plays or things that we're supposed to do? Or like I said, where it looked like Buddy missed some assignments on, you know, on ones that were, that were there that would prevent. But I do think looking at, um, how the Warriors offense, I mean, no one's standing there. It's constantly yeah. moving. I mean, and it's pretty glaring when Walton we're came from Steve Kerr's and it's, and guys stand, System. um, stand uh, in the corner but to me again like I'm saying I have a hard time Alvin Gentry is writing like as anyone will say one of the great offensive basketball minds right now that that's what he's telling them to do but you know I I don't know mm -hmm. I don't know yeah unfortunately the... we're not in there to hear yeah um, and we're not deep enough in this thing stuff, yet so it doesn't help but yeah no you got there has to be more movement I mean it's not chucking in the first couple seconds and and there's got to be more movements. And how many times does KDF to see say on a broadcast? I would have liked to have seen them swing the ball from side to side and make. And Doug used to move, say the same right? thing. Um, and make the defense move. And so, yes. Uh, yeah. Agree. <laughs> they acted like they had never seen a two-three zone before, which, yeah. uh, you know, my... if that shuts you down, you're gonna be in for a bad. Yeah. Run, and... <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. My, I think Damien said this at one podcast where he goes, I think I know basketball, but in compared to comparison to an NBA player, I know nothing. 
Uh, yeah, and it's like I know enough though about a two-three zone to know you are only going to be able to break that down with constant ball movement until you find that weakness, and then you dive in right. and you make the shot or you take the shot because the guy's open in the corner once you're swinging around, or there's a guy open in the middle of the paint, whatever. But you don't beat a two-three zone standing around holding the ball. You yeah. only beat it really, which is why Steve Kerr switched to that. Obviously, and Mike Brown, who's like the defensive coordinator, that's why they do that, right? Yeah, they see and that I this think- team standing around, so it's like, okay, we're going to switch to a zone, force you to try and pass yeah. it, and they don't. And and everyone talks about Golden State's offense so much that people don't realize they're a top defensive team, and mm-hmm. they have been the last couple of years, even when they had no staff. Like those those you know, bench guys that they had, right, that everyone is making fun of, like, they put in the effort, they put in the work, they beat you to your spot. How many, I mean, just in the clips I saw, how many times did I see someone have the ball and then try and dribble in, and then, like, they didn't even make it past the three-point line, and they, like, turned back around or moved it. Like, there was no, there wasn't even any physical activity of, like, trying to get in. Yeah. Um. So, They're tough. Yeah. No, I didn't. I was that was something I did learn. I mean, I knew they had been yeah. a good defensive team, but I was impressed, Jill, by just yeah. how good they were and defensively. Have to be aggressive in those stands. Like they can't back away again from teams being physical. They mm-hmm. have to keep, you know, keep going. So um, right. we'll see if that ends up, you know, adjusting as we go. So, so with all that uh, little detox out there for us, I feel a little bit better now. I was, like I said, I was angry going to bed last night after that. <laughs> the way it ended, I'm gonna. Hit you with a couple questions here, Jill. This is a, a panic meter, a ranking, if you will, of between one and ten. One being you're totally calm, you haven't even thought about it until right now, and then ten being you're you're freaking out, you're about to mass tweet about it. Um, these are storylines prevalent to the Kings right now that we're seeing talked about, and you're just going to tell me between one and ten how panicked you are in reference to this storyline. So we already touched on Fox's slow start, so I'm actually not going to mention that because you already said I'm fine, not I'm panic, calm, right. I'm not yeah. panicked. So instead, I'm going to go with the first question being the Kings bench struggles, especially outside of Buddy Heald. What is your panic meter, your ranking on how you feel about their bench production so far or lack thereof? Um, I would say uh, I, it's, I'm pretty low on the meter again with that, like a four, just because I know the teams they played are good. Defenses. Again, have a have top 10. Got, like you're playing full, full starters, full bench like you're playing. There will be teams that they come against that do not have the depth that these three have, right? That that have put them into the playoffs. So again, like if I'm seeing this, you know, through game 10, through game 20, then I'll have something to talk about. But I'm at this point, I'm not and and I've seen guys have good games, just not together. So it's not like I, you know, we haven't seen anybody off the sure. bench have a good game. It's the it's them finally being consistent and putting it together, which they did in the preseason. So we just need them to do it now. <laughs> yeah, right. So so we're going to uh, say about, you yeah, said about a four. I'm, I'm yeah. under five on that. Under yeah. five. Good answer. All right, next one. Um, how panicked are you about Walton's game planning and putting what he's putting together? You talk about offensive sets, which Gentry has a big impact on that. I, I guess more, this is a question about Luke Walton and his coaching. Because people, a lot of people are talking about game plan and like what's what are what are these plays? Are they running any plays here from for Luke? How do you feel about? We'll make this more broad. How do you feel about Luke Walton three games in? Mm, I would I would say again, L- low uh, and and not thinking five, too much just, about it. Just because I 
didn't expect them to win any of these games yeah. going in, knowing the opponents. Um, I was hoping to at least sneak one, if not more. And knowing that we could have had three, right? We wouldn't even be talking about um, any of this stuff, right? And that's what's frustrating again. But it, after three games, I'm not worried. Again, if we keep seeing it, I'll be worried. But right. to me, I'm more so not worried because I know this is it. This is it for them. Like mm-hmm. it's right. Um, so this is Luke. This is Luke's out, last like, little. If yeah. he doesn't figure it out, we could say panic, but he's going to be gone regardless. So it's a good point. You know, um, yeah. Fire, Fire Walton just got back to trending on Twitter rather quick after the first game. There was a lot of compliments. People were applauding sure. his post game speech that the Kings media page shared. They were like, "Oh, we like this side of Luke dropping f bombs and being, you know, more vocal." Yeah. Um, well, and obviously, way, yeah, shift very quick. And well, the same way I saw, I put something, you know, up there about how they can't keep giving the ball away for free. And I saw someone try and blame that on Luke. And I'm like, okay, I get we don't like, you know, people don't like Luke, but I'm not going to blame him for the, the Barnes, Halliburton, Fox, just blatant, like, passes that Stupidity. go to nobody. Like, that's not, sorry, like. There are plenty of things we can blame on Luke, but I don't think our best players making poor decisions on the court is because of him in transition. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sorry, I'm not. Obviously, that obviously that's him. not his fault. He's not on the court making that terrible outlet pass. So Jill's under. We want to blame him for everything, but that's it's sorry. easy. I'm not you know? blaming him for that. Coaches are always <laughs> the scapegoats. Uh, Walton's under five again. Your, your panic meter for him. Your concern for him. All right. Uh, third question here. How concerned are we? How panicked are we about second half collapses? I'm getting dog barking. They are barking, so I'm going to continue. The second half collapses. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, you're good. Okay, the fact that if it was so extreme where it's um, they're playing so well and then it's so bad, it's not like they're playing so well and then it's like average. It's mm-hmm. like the fact that it's always so extreme. Like I want to see it come down to um, not so extreme. Right. So we'll say plus above five, say seven, six or seven on that panic meter ranking. I'd say like maybe five or six, like, okay. but I'm not like anywhere near 10. Yeah. Nor, nor should you be this early. And then the last one, how concerned are we? How panicked are we, Jill, about the continued lack of calls for the Kings? They were the, the Warriors, this discrepancy that was there yesterday between how many free throws the Warriors shot and how many the Kings shot, especially when you consider the Kings and how they play. They're attacking, they run. Darren Fox is on the team. I mean, it's bullshit. It should not be that big of a, of a gap. And Luke Walton said yes. something to that effect. I don't yes. think anything's going to change. This is the card they're dealt being Sacramento. Is that what you're going to you say? You hit the nail on the head. So on my drive, I was listening to the uh, Whistleblower podcast. I don't know if anyone's listened to it yet. Have you listened to it? I haven't, no. Okay. Um, but it's on the whole uh, referee scandal. Um, From uh, the Western Conference Finals? Well, going back then that the there is an episode like on the kings but it's um the betting the point spread like yeah and how they i recommend just listening to it because what i thought happened um or like the story that like we kind of were told you know based on the media there's so much more to it and like some of the refs still in the league, you have a lot of question marks of could they have been involved and got and like are still doing what they're doing. Um, 
but so I will just say go listen to it it's pretty crazy but it totally I mean we've always looked at them in a different light but it it still and they very much were saying it's you have your company guys and the stars are getting what they're gonna get like that's just how it is and the the team certain teams are gonna have certain you know um calls um whether rest like it or not they all have biases and they would talk all the time about their biases prior to games and all you know bad, and all these bad move sharing yeah, your all personal these different kinds of things and so it's uh yeah like <laughs> uh it will make you look at it differently but it's so your point Probably is we should we should be concerned. New. Yeah, and it's nothing new. And I don't see it changing until we're good, but it's hard yeah. to be good when you're getting this stuff against you all the time as well. Um, it's the lay of the land and it's a tough like Yeah. The way it is, and if it, you will. And like Fox said, they play like they're not gonna get it in practice. So unfortunately these guys just have to keep playing through it. And it sucks. I mean and it Fox, sucks, but yeah. If Fox does get the calls, though, which he he will at times in the game, obviously it's not like they never call anything, but he still needs to make the free throws. You know, you can complain all you want, De'Aaron, and I will too. But shit, dude, if you get to the line, you got you're the point guard. You got to make them. You yeah. have to make them. He's still struggling in that aspect of his game, which is so frustrating, um, just because of the position he plays more yeah. than anything that you can miss so many of those free throws. Yeah, um, but, but I know I still he think too that. the bad calls going against Holmes hurt just as much as Fox not getting calls too. Like yeah. that's the unfortunate thing um, because the numbers are drastic when he's on the court and when they're off. And that's a whole, you know, separate issue between who we have backing up. But I'm not even sure if Bagley being in there totally changes how drastic the numbers are either. Like yeah. that's Defense that's, will go down. The, that's the crazy thing is um, like there's that much of a difference that I'm not sure and that outside of another Holmes duplicate, like um, you're, you're bringing that up, at least at three, three games. Yeah. So, um, but these guys got to figure out a way to stay on the court. Like that's. Well, it is. I will. The last little thought here before we go to this next segment, next little thing. Uh, the fact that Rashawn Holmes will get a technical in this game that he did, like he did. For arguing, there you go. Yeah. For yelling at the ref, sharing his frustration. What I don't, you know, you ha- Jerry Reynolds used to say, you have to be able to be somewhere on the court as a defender. You have to have some place to be. And in that situation where Holmes got the technical, got the foul, then the technical, it was a situation where he blocked Curry going to the, the baseline I don't know. I I, I, I I would think you would just let that go. Curry decided to take the crazy shot. Got, obviously, the foul call very late. Ridiculously late to call the foul. Mm-hmm. But he yells at him immediately gets technical. Draymond Green screams and bitches and moans throughout the game. God, he is mm-hmm. just such an annoying player. He really is. And I, I can see why even Warrior fans are like, we don't really even like him anymore. But yeah, gets nothing. Gets nothing. But he's earned it. Well, and it's one thing if he's going to do it and other people can do it and it's not going to be called, right? But it's when it's that drastic where he's allowed to do it, but nobody else is right. Yeah. It's, it's like playing favorites almost. It's like the kids I in mean, school that, you know, yeah. one kid's Same getting... certain guys get the taunting after the main or basket that. and other guys don't. Right. Yeah. Playing <laughs> favorite. We, seen, we saw Bagley get it last year on right. something less than what Draymond went, than what uh, Draymond did yesterday in his after, you know, basket. So it's, it's again, the lack of consistency between, um, with the refs and unfortunately Sacramento, we 
or you know know all too well how that goes so this is the uh, and, this, and this hell we live in learn how to play through it like it's not changing so again yeah, yeah they got to figure it out last question here about the warriors and then moving on from this warrior game for good closing the book on this till the next time we play them they're 3-0 the warriors it's the first time they've been 3-0 since the last time they went to the finals in 2016 that was the year i believe they lost to the cavaliers in game seven thanks to kyrie irving's clutch shot but they were upside that was the last year they went to the finals but um last year when they played the warriors or the uh, cavaliers god i'm sounding stupid point being it's been a while since they started 3-0 surprising how good were the warriors be in 2021 jill how do you feel about them now they were the playing team last year they obviously lost to the uh the lakers in LA on LeBron's shot where he was seeing seven different buckets. Couldn't see. I couldn't I couldn't see the bucket. So stupid. How good are they going to be this year? Especially with Clay um, coming back I think, halfway. I think what this team has going for them is their supporting cast works, right? Mm-hmm. They've proven they can work. And so now you're adding your best talent to it. I mean, I don't know why they shouldn't. Like, they should be good. Mm-hmm. Right, like uh, top five in the West, you're thinking, and, and they play both both sides of the ball. That's going to get you far in the NBA when you have guys that play both both ends of the ball. And those these guys aren't flashy names, right? And and that's what I actually like enjoyed about them last year when they didn't have the stars. And it was just, I mean, these were guys who were still in terms of people were saying, will they be in the league or not? Right? I mean, these these are guys that the Warriors they homegrown and uh again right that they they had great personnel and matched it to uh to the stars that they were going to have coming back Um, yeah and they can all shoot (laughs) they can all play defense so yeah i i wouldn't be they i'll i'll almost be shocked if they're not a top five i would say yes right now if they keep up this pace i don't i mean add back thompson and probably acquire someone at the deadline they will surely and that's do the thing right and they have young talent if they want to acquire they have yeah picks. yeah they have options moody hasn't played uh cominga right that's how you say his last name mm-hmm. yeah Jonathan. he's been injured Jonathan. yeah he's hurt uh, yeah they have good depth right and they have they do yeah they have options auto so. porter and bielitsa were two very under the radar sound acquisitions moves that and- I'm excited Good to see Otto healthy again because he yeah. was a guy I think and no pressure on fans, him. right? We'll say they've always wanted, you know, the Otto Porter um, yeah. on the Kings and he just was had not been healthy the last two years. But he has, again, shown that if he's healthy, he can contribute. And another guy that will give you both sides of the ball. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. And Jordan Poole now is someone I'll, I'll keep watching because I enjoy his game and how much he's yeah. just worked at it, gotten better. And then a shout out to Juan Toscano Anderson. The story with the number 95 was something that has been out there, I'm sure, for a couple years now that yeah. he's been in the league. I had just heard it for the first time yesterday, being that it was like the street um, that he was living in, kind of in the hood in Oakland or something where he grew mm-hmm. up. Cool That's story. cool. Yeah. That's a very cool story. And I yeah. love players like that that overcome a lot of adversity to get there and then to play for his hometown team. Homegrown team, yep. It really doesn't get better yeah. than that. So good for him. Like they, when have, he, they have some good stories. Yeah. Right. When he made his shots, I wasn't mad. I was like, he can have them. He can make those shots. <laughs> All right. Time to get to the best segment here as we approach the end of this Monday show. The the best segment we have, the, pu- the people are craving for this. They ask for this. It's another edition of Jill's Water Cooler. And this one, you told me, Jill, before the show, yeah. is fun. It's going to make me laugh or uh, blow my yeah. mind, which they all blow my mind. 
Well, it's kind of a continuation of the one uh, from last one where I told you about how all the out all of bounds. Um, <laughs> well, this is the, the one from last one where I was saying how after every made basket, oh, yeah, yeah, that's they right. didn't get to the pass jump, it in. It was like ball. the jump ball. But then I read another piece where it was like, it wasn't always like the center jump ball. There were times when the refs would like just throw it back over the line and it was like free for all. And they had so many people get injured that they ended up doing like a this jump is... ball at center court. This isn't it. But like, Oh, I wow. I was like, that. just so, that's crazy. But, Go but, get it. Okay. See, but that's crazy. So this okay. leads to that. So far away. Th- this is the beginning of out of bounds, right? Of essentially out of bounds for basketball. So in the beginning, boundaries were not defined. In most cases, they were just walls. Um, and it wasn't until 1904 that boundaries became straight lines. The original rule regarding out-of-bounds situations turned out to be disastrous. Ball possession was awarded to the first player to touch the ball after it went out of bounds. Wait. So, so the person to touch it last the first will take the ball. person to touch it. After it goes out, you're awarded the ball. Okay. So, the so opposite. this led to pushing, shoving, elbowing, desperate dives, and total bedlam. <laughs> it was even worse when the ball ended up in the balconies. With all players making a mad dash to be the first up the stairs, which created log jams, of, uh, log jams and pipes. <laughs> Teams resorted to forming wedges. To block the opponents from going oh upstairs. Oh my god! They even tried to bypass the stairs by hoisting players up in the air in an effort to be the first to reach the ball in the balcony. So they were like stacking themselves on top of each other to like try and get a person to reach up. Into the this balcony. isn't real, Jill. This can't be real. To touch the ball. So in addition to where I was Definitely saying, they, yeah, they didn't have boundaries right at the beginning of all this. Um, they just the ball went out of bounds. So this then created basketball used to be called the cage game and players cagers. So you went from no out of bounds to the first people to touch the ball to now it's being referred to as a cage game. So like what they started match, doing was yeah. they they put wire mesh or chicken wire or chain link fence um, around the entire court. So imagine this. So between the fans and the players, there's now a chain link or a chicken wire fence between the the end court line and and you. So they did this in an effort to make the game go faster by eliminating all out of bounds or out of bounds delays. However, in reality, it served as more of a barrier to protect players from rowdy spectators so they couldn't throw stuff onto the court or they couldn't go get in fights trying to catch the ball after it went out of bounds. The wire cage actually resulted in additional rough play with players body checking each other into the wire mesh. As What year hockey. is this again? Hold on. I'm sorry. I'll yeah. get to that. So, okay. so they I'm ended lost. up turning into hockey. Crazy. So they ended up like running into this wire mesh. Players often received cuts, bruises, and even incurred infections from the rusting wire mesh. Although the use of cages were abandoned, by 1933, the term cagers is still used today. Holy so in shit. 1913, the out-of-bounds rule was changed to the current rule of the team causing or touching the ball last when it goes out of bounds, loses possession. This rule change was a major impact in reducing the physical play that was a common place in the early game. So prior to 1913, 
was how um, they handled that. So to recap, I mean, I'm not going yeah, to, I can't even recap all that. That was insane. That was like a, like a novel um, of like fiction, but it was real. That was a true story. That's you just how rolled basketball up. used to be played. Man, what a time. <laughs> so between, so literally between like 18, what was it? 90s to 1913, you had the people running out of bounds and going crazy. And, and then, the last person to touch it, it was theirs, actually. So it was the complete opposite of what Out of Bounds the per- is. The first person to touch it. So, it, yeah, the, it could just roll out of bounds. And the first person that dives and touches it, it's your ball. Yeah. So, like, so you had people going crazy sense. trying to run to it. Yeah. And then from – and then the uh, cage wiring stopped in 1933. So that whole time you had, like, the craziness of – uh, 1890s to 1913, you had the first to touch out of bounds. And from 1913 to 1933, you had the chicken wire hockey mesh fights. Um, that that does seem yeah. entertaining. <laughs> I mean, that, that would have been funny to watch. That would have been nuts. Yeah. Holy and crap. So they, what we have now. <laughs> so the chain link fence, just to clarify on this, because this, this is a concept that's definitely crazy. Or chicken wire, yeah. Chicken wire fence, like they're, like they're chickens, is... Mm-hmm. That was on the, like, it was protecting the bench area and the coaches? Is that it what was, you said? It was, a, no, like, literally around the end lines of the court. Oh, like, okay. So, so the ball never they're really in, literally in a cage. Yeah. Okay. Like, so the ball always stayed live. to eliminate the delay of games of the balls going out, out of bounds. And a lot of, essentially created a cage and the ball never went out. Like, it's guys just like ping pong and all over checking each other yeah. And, yeah yeah that's hockey that's literally hockey the kid's right. not gonna so get after, out of play yes so from 1933 you have like what you have now of like the normal you know lines no fencing um and then they had the one year they tried the oh hey let's not just do regular out of bounds let's do the jump ball like so they've tried all these different about kinds this? Of things to get to where we are now <laughs> I mean, that makes you got to throw a lot at the board before, you know, things start to stick. That makes sense, right? That you just took us on a little trip back down memory lane, I guess, back a whole. I mean, that's that's my favorite part about Joe's water coolers. It's like it's always a history lesson. And I'm a huge history (laughs) fan. So there's a history of basketball that I know not many people probably knew. I definitely didn't know. Basketball used to be a fucking cage (laughs) match. WWE Smackdown. Which I would have actually paid to watch. I'm not going to lie to you. Would have been interesting to see. <laughs> I would have had my whiskey flask and I don't think a chew. I don't know what they would take to sporting events back then. I don't think they had popcorn and hot dogs, um, just drugs and alcohol. But that, wow. Yep, that's well. Wow. So I hope that made people feel a little bit better after the last couple of days. And, you know, something interesting. Yeah, so to the night of fans go out there and visual- have a rough weekend. I had weekend. a great time visualizing this. Yeah, my mind is... So is really hopefully that novel gave you a visual <laughs> what do you find i don't actually want to know this is for you this is your thing i don't want to even know where you find this stuff uh because it's better that i have no idea and i can just learn from you jill so there's that last edition latest edition of jill's water cooler we're going to keep throwing these out there because jill's got so much more in her arsenal to to show us and uh really make us think so thank you jill as always we're going to end it there no other better way to end a podcast than with jill's water cooler if you ask me the king's Play Wednesday, uh, two days off. So they play on Wednesday in Phoenix against the one and two Phoenix Suns. Yep. Start of a four-game road trip, Jill. They play New Orleans next. Um, they've had a rough start. They're 0-3. Dallas, also kind of a bumpy start with the new uh, head coach in place, Jason Kidd. And then back to facing the Jazz in Utah in a game that might be just a bloodbath. And then they come home 
to play New Orleans again at home at Golden One. Four game road trip, Jill. Can I get you to make a prediction before we sign off on how we think we're going to do in that four game road trip? Would you even dare? Four games. I'm at, I'm asking. Split it to come out 500. Yeah. Okay. Split it. That's yeah. that's how I feel. I think you definitely beat New Orleans and Dallas. Those are games for you sure win. game of the season. Split yeah. It. And Phoenix yeah. is not totally great on this beginning. And stretch they just themselves. came off a loss of after a back to back, and so mm-hmm. they're going to come out. They're going to come out swinging. So yeah, I'm going to expect them to lose the Jazz game though until. Until I've shown otherwise, the Jazz are just too damn good. So until they can show they can play two halves of a game, yeah. <laughs> also a very good. Also a very good. It's point. rare you're going to get the Jazz not playing a full game. Yeah, so. you're not going to yeah. be the Jazz on two quarters. Um, yeah, good point. So four games ahead for the Kings, really going to test their character and what they're made of, and we'll regroup and reanalyze everything after that uh, and make these episodes as we go. So thank you guys for listening, uh, Niner fans out there. Take a deep breath. I don't know if you saw the photo, Jill of Kyle Shanahan in the locker room holding the football, looking like he had been through hell because I, no, I think he had. Geez. It's pretty funny. I'll have to share it. I have to send it to you. Things are going down fast for 49er fans. Things are going up real quick for Raider fans like myself. <laughs> Makes the Kings losing not as tough. But, but we're hoping for a win. What we always say, on, this on is Wednesday. why you play, right? Because going into the season, people would have predicted the opposite, right? But again, this is why you play the game. And Yeah, any game, any sports game, you never know what's going to happen. So keep believing too early to quit, guys. Too early to give up hope. All righty, that's it for us on this Monday Hoop Ball podcast. Slater, dudes.